Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. Hey guys, thank you for downloading this latest episode of the Membership Guys podcast. I am Mike Morrison, your illustrious host for the show, and I want to thank you sincerely for choosing to uh, tune in to the Membership Guys podcast. I know there's a lot of great podcasts out there that cover a variety of different things from the world of online marketing and online business, so we are extremely grateful for the fact that you choose to lend us your ears a very small part of your day. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. I hope you guys are getting a lot out of it. Love the feedback, love all the uh, reviews that we've seen and all the nice positive comments you guys have made on social media or on our website, themembershipguys.com. So uh, yeah, this, if you're new to the show, is the podcast in which we talk all things related to membership websites, the business of running a membership website, the technical side, strategy, marketing, and everything in between. And of course, when we're talking membership sites, we're largely talking either educational membership sites, so online learning, e-learning, or community-based sites, or a combination of both. Most membership websites that we deal with when we're talking about this subject fall into one of those categories, education and e-learning, community or combination of both. So it stands to reason that obviously a big, big part of membership sites relates to online courses and how to structure, plan and deliver e-learning materials. And so for that reason, we brought in Janelle Allen, who is a online course maestro from Zen Courses. I chatted to Janelle about all things related to creating compelling courses for your members. And we talked about everything from the different platforms, marketplaces and tools out there for delivering courses, what sort of approach to take when you're actually planning out your course and how to deliver it and so on. So Janelle has a great, great story, a great background in terms of how she came to be involved in helping other people to craft compelling, great courses. So uh, she's got a lot of great insight to share, a lot of great tips for you guys to take away. So now I'm just going to jump straight into my conversation with Janelle Allen. All right, guys, I'm here with Janelle Allen. Janelle specializes in creating awesome, actionable courses, but it's not just the design and the structure and the planning of courses. Janelle also looks at the business side, strategy side, and marketing of actually having a business that sells and promotes online courses as its core. So Janelle, thank you so much for joining us on the Membership Guys podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Happy to be here. Great stuff. So um, just for any of our listeners who maybe haven't come across yourself through um, your website at Zen Courses, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, uh, your story, and how it is you came to be so involved in the world of online courses? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my story, gosh. Okay, so my story probably starts around college time. So I was uh, accepted into a very 
very nice private college and unfortunately couldn't go to that college, ended up having to go to a state school as a result of some financial constraints from my parents. And as a result of that, I had to work during school. And that is where I first was asked to train. That's when I fell in love with training and realized that I loved helping people learn. And so fast forward after college, I ended up working with Apple and the same thing happened. I was again asked to train and fell in love with it all over again. So I started to see that there was a pattern here. I really enjoyed focusing on training and learning. And at the same time, while I was working at Apple, I was getting into the world of blogging and online entrepreneurship and teaching myself web design. And that kind of led me to discover the world of online courses. And once I discovered online courses, I just, I never looked back. So I became a consultant, a corporate consultant for online learning. And then in 2012, I launched my business helping mostly colleges and universities, as well as some corporations create online courses, looking at, you know, how people learn and how to effectively design learning, which is a phrase that not a lot of people think of learning in terms of design. So in the meantime, I, I, when I launched my business, I was still getting entrepreneurs reaching out to me and saying, Hey, you know, I need some help with my course. I've found you through your blog. And I wasn't sure how to position my services to entrepreneurs because I was mostly doing work with corporations. So it was something that I, at the time, wasn't able to do very much of, but I just couldn't let go of the idea of helping entrepreneurs with online courses. And full circle 2015, I said, you know what, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship. I'm passionate about online courses. And there are so many people who are building online courses right now. And I wanted to help entrepreneurs focus on online courses from the perspective of just knowing where to start, beating that overwhelm that a lot of people have, and looking at all of the aspects of content design and everything, and not just the marketing stuff. So that's where Zen Courses came from. I launched Zen Courses uh, this summer of 2015 and haven't looked back since. Awesome, awesome. So you know, obviously, a lot of what you're doing and your your driving factors for you know, working through Zen courses to help other entrepreneurs sounds like it's fueled through the, your own experiences of obviously being an entrepreneur yourself, but in learning how to blog, learning the online marketing, and and you mentioned learning web design again. Was was all of that something where you? learned online yourself and because I've, I've had the same sort of thing I was self-taught as a, a web designer and that makes me more passionate about teaching other people things online because I learned myself online and, and got a foundation that way yeah absolutely that's a great question so for me and this is something that really touches a, a personal part of me because I always when I was growing up I always wanted a mentor and I never really had any official mentors I had people I could look to for you know as examples but I never had anyone who showed me how to do certain things. I always ended up being self-taught. Yeah. And especially, you know, growing up in my family, I'm the only entrepreneur in my family. And my mother, actually, I take that back. My mother had a short entrepreneurial stint, which served as a, a great example. But I'm very much self-taught. And so I have this, this soft spot and a passion for entrepreneurship, the journey that we go through. So definitely. 
particularly now technology has brought us to a point where it's probably easier than it's ever been for people to make a start when it comes to online education. But do you, do you find that that's a bit of a double-edged sword in terms of when you said not too many people think about online education and course creation in terms of design? Do you think perhaps now that there's so many tools out there, learning management systems, membership plugins, and so on, that the downside of that is perhaps there isn't as much thought or isn't as much planning goes into the design of the actual courses that are being put out there? I do. I think that online courses are so, so young right now. You know, coming from my background, I've seen online courses in a variety of ways, you know, from corporate, you know, corporations using them to colleges and universities using them. I think when it comes to entrepreneurs, we're just getting started. There's so much potential. And because of that, to, to get back to your question, I think that right now is a great time for entrepreneurs to build online courses because in the past, if you wanted to make a course, you had to figure out the technology piece. You had to figure out, okay, I have this course, but how do I get it out into the world? And you had to cobble together a lot of different things to, to make it happen, which could be a deterrent for a lot of people. Yeah. And now there's so many platforms that you can put your course on. You know, you have Fedora, which is now Teachable, I believe, and you have Rizuku and Teachery, and you have all these platforms where you can focus on your content and then upload it to these platforms. And you don't have to worry about that tech piece. You know, you can create a membership site if you want. And that's, you know, I know you guys make that really easy. So I think it's a time like no other, but I still think that there's so much to learn when it comes to how to approach an online course and make sure that it's effective. That's a huge thing for me. Are your learners actually getting out of the course what you say they will? Absolutely. So in terms of actually achieving that, for somebody who has an idea in their head or perhaps they've done a little bit of research with their audience in terms of what it is they want to know, what would you suggest would be the first steps of actually putting together a plan for something that is going to be an effective, well-designed, actionable course rather than, you know, just something that people watch and then move on to the next thing and never actually implement? Yeah. Well, I think you you hit one of them, which I'll come back to, and that's focusing on your audience. But one thing that I actually just wrote a post about this, it's so funny, but one thing I tell people is start where you are. Just kind of reset and don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Don't worry about the technology you might not have. Start where you are. What is it that you know that only you can offer? What, what tools and technology do you have now and how can you use that for your course? And focus on what you have and where you are. And I like to have that be the foundation. The next thing is focus on your learner or your audience. Your audience will tell you what they want from you if you're engaged with them. So I think that's a key. Sometimes people have difficulties surveying their audience. It comes back to that engagement of, you know, reaching out to them, knowing their needs and really digging in and knowing the demographics of your audience, of who they yeah. are, what they're looking for, you know, and you can do this a number of ways. You can, you can do it through research. You can do it through surveys. You can do it through just reaching out on social media but I think also you can, you can fail at it and learn the hard way, but it's still learning. You know, I spoke yeah. with someone recently who she created a course and she had this really engaged audience. They wanted a course. She created it and no one bought it. 
And she didn't know why. So she asked them and they told her, they said, we didn't buy it because of this, this, and this. And so she changed those things. So I think that always focusing on what your audience is there for, what they want, and then create the content by focusing on the outcomes. What is it that they need to get out of this course? And that is just kind of getting into that whole approach that I talk about of working backwards when it comes to the content creation. So that would be the starting point, audience, and then focusing on outcomes and working backwards to define what should go in your course. And then from there, it's just rolling up your sleeves and getting it done. Great. And that's such a a really good point as well. You see it not just with courses, with membership sites, with pretty much any sort of business ideas. Sometimes people get so carried away with just having an idea that they steamroll through into implementation before actually verifying, is this what people want? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, on that point, I see a lot of people who focus on the technology. They get so yeah. distracted by the technology of, okay, you know, they, they might spend a week or two foc- researching different technology platforms and how they should do. And that's not where you need to start. You know, you start with what the content and your audience will tell you what tech tools you're going to need. You know, you, do you need audio? Do you need, you don't always need to have those things. So just don't, don't get caught up in that distraction. Absolutely. And yeah, we see that with membership sites all the time. You know, people who have not even, haven't started any element of what they're doing, but their first question is, which membership plugin should I, yeah. should I use? <laughs> well, there's actually a, an entire work piece before that to determine the requirements of you actually need right that you then go out and shop for your your technology and obviously it's the same with courses and learning management systems and so on we talked about technology in terms of doing it yourself versus using these platforms that are cropping up where they take care of the difficult stuff but also there's a fee to it you don't have control over it and so on Yeah, well, I think there are three tiers when it comes to technology and and delivering your course. So the first tier, you know, you mentioned platform, not platforms, but marketplaces like Udemy, which I don't believe that marketplaces are the way to go. I know that there are a lot of people who use them, but I think that there are too many distractions. You want to position yourself as an expert, as an authority in your, your, your field or your area and when it comes to marketplaces, I think that often, yes, you might get exposure, but there's so many other distractions and other people you're competing with directly. So I would say no to marketplaces as a strategy. I would say yes to platforms like uh, Fedora or Teachable, as they're now called, Rizuku and Teachery, which are, these are LMS platforms or learning management systems. And so these platforms, one, they're designed for online courses. And it allows you to focus on your content and then just upload it to these platforms. And they will integrate with, you know, your email service provider, MailChimp or AWeber or ConvertKit, as well as a host of other options. And they also will allow you to make payments very easy. But the thing that I love is that you can tie it to your own domain. And so that is very different from marketplaces. And so you can still send people to your domain and just have a button where they click on and then they can, can access the course. I think that's powerful. And it's also very valuable for course creators. So not having to focus on how to figure out 
creating their course in WordPress. But I, you know, that lends to the third option, which is, you know, building your course in WordPress or using a membership site. And I think that that's powerful as well, especially if you either have someone who can assist you with it or if you know how to set it up and implement it yourself. That self-hosting your own content is always going to, to trump having your content on someone else's platform. But then it's always going to be a little bit more complicated and exactly. more expensive. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I think that the thing to mention also is many of the, uh, the platforms like Teachable, they have a free version. So that kind of mitigates some of the risk. If you're looking, if you're not very tech savvy, but you're still looking for a platform, you can try out the free version. And as your course takes off and you, you make more profit, then scale up. And even if you want to scale up to doing a self-hosted option, that gives you that option somewhere to start. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about membership sites, um, you know, with our own clients, our own audience and, and our members, obviously you can have a membership site based around a single big epic course. What we tend to find with uh, our membership sites is they're either education based, community based or a combination of both. Yeah. And on the education side of things, we tend to uh, see mostly people where they have multiple courses. And so their membership site is kind of a housing for all of that. Whereas I think like you're saying, like platforms like Teachable, if you've got that one big epic course, particularly as a, a toe in the water to validate that, you know, you not only have a demand and a market for your course, but that you're all also able to drive traffic and sales towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, then do you feel that having one big course versus having a, a selection of maybe smaller, more focused courses as a course library, how much of a factor do you think that is on the choice of technology? And also, where do you kind of think, or what do you kind of think would be the best approach? One big epic course that kind of does everything or take an approach where things are broken down more into smaller, more niche, more specific courses? That's a huge question. <laughs> Sorry. There was about four questions that's, in there, I think, yeah. actually. <laughs> but that's great. Um, so let's see where to dive in. I think that it can work either way. I think it depends on your strategy and it depends on your offerings. So I have seen the big flag. I like to call them flagship courses. So, you know, content that only you can offer and you, you spend some time you know, maybe two, three months getting that content together and offering it. These are what you, what you call the big courses. I've seen those work very well in a membership site structure. And I think that that is great, especially for the community aspect. That's one thing I love about membership sites. And it's why I think membership sites are just gaining more and more traction. It's because sometimes with an online course, especially if you're using certain platforms, you don't always have that community aspect. Sure, you can have comments and things of that nature, but it's not the same as having a membership site. Um, you know, I'm part of a couple of membership sites myself, and it's so nice to be able to commune with other people taking, taking the course. So I think that for big courses, that can work extremely well, especially if you're focused on building community. I think that for the mini courses, I've seen that approach as well. And I think that that can work Either way, with membership sites, I've seen it on platforms, LMS platforms like Teachable and Mizuku, where people have smaller mini courses that they're offering. The key that I think is 
most of the time when I see that people are kind of validating whether or not, you know, a particular course is going to be something that their audience is, is going to want, or they're trying to see, eventually they have an end game of focusing on one or two courses, but at the, at the time they're offering multiple courses because they need to, they want to get something out there pretty quickly and many courses don't take as much time. And so you can get it out there. You can see what people kind of gravitate towards and begin to develop a strategy for your offerings and your, your products. So I've seen it work both ways. I really think that there's no wrong way. I'm a big mm-hmm. proponent of that. I think that you can, it's, it all comes back to what you have to offer and how, how quickly you can start and develop valuable content. Um, and also just knowing your product very well, knowing whether or not something is one course or two courses, which only comes from getting very familiar with your content. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it answers all six of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think what it probably comes back to as well is, as we said, you were saying before, is making sure you're not getting lost in putting technology first. Yeah. Uh, and, and, making your technology decisions for the platform based on the research you've done, your audience, your product knowledge, because the best technology in the world isn't going to uh, change a poor course. That's true. And I think that it also depends on where you are, where you're at in your entrepreneurial journey. You know, if you're just Mm -hmm. starting out, I tell people focus on one thing, focus on one course, create it. But I see a lot of people who are kind of, mid-range or maybe they are advanced in their journey where they have multiple courses and whether those are mini courses or larger courses, you know, it just depends on your journey and, and where you want to put your focus. And the technology is, is really the last thing you can have it on a platform like, you know, an LMS platform, or you can have it on a membership site. It just depends on what your strategy is. Do you value community Versus do you just want to create a, a course where people go in and work on it self-paced and it's kind of a, a one, one-time thing? Actually, speaking on pacing, because that's, that's something that comes up a lot that I see, and I'm sure you see it even more than I do, regarding the pacing and the delivery of course content. Some people love the drip feeding side of things where it's one lesson or one module a week mm-hmm. or, or whatever over a specific schedule. Yeah. Some people prefer everything on demand, get stuck in, then study at your own pace. Again, is this something that is totally dependent on your audience? Uh, or do you have a preference yourself as an educator? And also on the other side of the coin as well, as someone who, mm-hmm. who takes courses and, and sets out to, you know, be educated by other people's courses, which, which side of the fence you sit on? Yeah, that's a great question. So drip is interesting. I've been watching the shift. There's been a shift happen. You know, when I think, I think when drip first came out as an option, everybody gravitated towards it. You, you know, you had email drip courses, you had, you know, just regular drip courses with media. And I think people thought that that was the best way. What I think now and what I'm seeing now and what other people are saying is that most people, they want to see, they want to figure out themselves what's important to them. 
and they yeah. want to see that content. So where I stand is I think it's important to make everything available and let people work at their own pace and focus on what's relevant to them. Now, with that being said, I also think it's extremely important if you're going to do that, because there's a risk that people will get overwhelmed and lost, right? Mm. So I think if you're going to do that, you also should create some sort of framework or roadmap to help them figure out where they might want to start, you know? Yeah. And I think that the, you know, the, the idea for drip, the premise behind drip is engagement. When drip was first, it thought, okay, people are going to engage more if we just give them a little bit at a time, but that didn't turn out to be true. What, what, what started to happen is people would get an email about a lesson or they would go into a course environment and they may not come back to it if it wasn't relevant to them. Yeah. So I think that, again, it's about being focused on your learners and knowing you. I mean, I'm an advocate of just asking your audience, hey, do you prefer drip content or do you prefer to just get in there? And I found that a lot of people are preferring to just get in there and see what what's important to them. So I think, yeah, I think general approaches to content consumption overall, you know, with the rise of Netflix and Amazon Prime and people are accustomed to just being able to get. Yeah. what they want at their own pace. And I'm the same as you. I, I love having everything there at once, but uh, certainly the overwhelm and the way that we start, I don't know if it's a downside or just something you kind of have to accept as an effect of that kind of all-you-can-eat-on-demand self-pacing. That's certainly something we've kind of had to pay particular attention to with our own clients with their membership sites. Yeah, there's uh, risks to both sides, you know. I think that with yeah. Drip... The thing is control with drip, right? It's, it's about you controlling the learner experience, which in and of itself, just saying that doesn't sound right. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> does it? And I think as well, and you know, I'm perhaps a slightly more cynical, uh, in terms of the reasons people jumped on the drip. A large part of the reasoning that I see for a lot of people dripping this stuff out is purely to prolong their financial relationship mm. to, justify billing over four months instead of just a, a one-off upfront yeah, uh, kind of thing. I can see and, that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I see that a lot, particularly in the sleazier corners of internet marketing. Um, so, yeah, I think um, the actual organization and, and roadmaps, I, I'm such a big fan of those as a learner as well. I think the first site that I saw really implement them in a way that I thought this has totally changed how effective this site is for me was Treehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved their, their pathways. I just thought they fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I love those. Yeah. I will say just one last point on that. I think that the times when drip works is when you have a very specific learner. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a very, I very defined learner and you're focused on performance. So, for example, if you're teaching someone to build a site and you know these are beginners yeah. and you want to control and make sure they don't get overwhelmed, I think that that's when it can work. You have to do this first before you can do this. But otherwise, I think you're absolutely right that that whole element of just prolonging it just you know, so that you can control the experience is, is not ideal. Yeah, and and the point you're making about engagement as well, um, you know, it's if you're having people dropping off halfway through the course, or you know, even just thinking that they're getting left behind or they've fallen behind, 
because the drip feeding schedules kind of passed the yeah. time they've been able to put into it. Um, that kind of defeats the purpose, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of engagement, you know, again, when we're talking about the the rise of online courses and, and the fact we're at a point at which, you know, it's, it's really fertile ground for people creating uh, online courses. What can people do to set their course apart from the standard, you know, two hours worth of screencasting, <laughs> um, you know, monotone voice, no downloads, no fun, no engagement. What can people do to set their course apart and make sure that people engage, people enjoy the learning experience and that they actually take action and implement what it is they learn? Yeah, that's another great question. So I think one of those is action. Action is so important. And, and the way we get to action is to focus on Again, going back to focusing on what your learner needs to do. So outcomes. When creating a course, thinking of it, you know, on the big scale at a, at the course level, what does my learner need to be able to do after they complete this course? Yeah. And then on the, the lesson level, what do they need to be able to do at the end of this lesson? And what that leads to is thinking, it shifts your thinking in terms of just creating information for people to passively digest to focusing on creating actionable content. And those actions, whether it's, you know, I'm a big proponent of action-based activities. So whether it is a, a worksheet or creating a project or, you know, doing a portfolio, if you have multiple little small projects throughout your course, whatever it may be, but whatever you are saying your learner is going to learn, focus on creating actionable-based activities for that. So I think that that sets things apart. And then also just the time and attention that you give your content. I think it's very important for people to know. I tell people all the time that creating an online course is not a quick process. It's, It's not something that should be done overnight. You, you want to devote some time into thinking thoroughly about what it is that your, your learner is going to get out of it and writing this content out and going over it. And then if you're having media in your course, figuring out what works well as audio or video and what works best as text. And do I need to have any worksheets to supplement this information? All of those thought processes will write, will raise your course to another level. Absolutely. And I think the important thing, like you're saying there, is realizing that people want or need some sort of end result so they can go in and do something with what you learn. I yeah. think that's so easily overlooked. And you see it, I, I see it quite a lot. Um, I think particularly when you're going down the signature system, signature program kind of route, where a lot of it is tied up in brand you. You know, it's, it's all about the cult of personalities, about your personal brand. You do see sometimes people getting a little carried away and perhaps thinking that people will take this course because they kind of hang on my every word or they're connected to my brand or they enjoy my style or whatever. But the only reason I see people join membership sites to do online courses, they want to get somewhere. Exactly. They want a result. They want an outcome. They've got a, a goal to hit. Uh, and I think it's very easy to kind of get wrapped up in your own reasons and your own almost fantasy of, you know, oh, the people will flood in because they love me. 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't actually teach them something, then uh, they won't love you. Yeah, it's it's, much it's the what's in it for me. You know, when I yeah. I I'm a writer at at my heart. That's just what I love to do, and. I define myself and, and when you're learning to write, when I was a copywriter for a short period, the what's in it for me? What am I getting out of this course? What am I getting out of this? Everybody is looking at that. And so when you're creating, you have to be able to answer that question. And then, you know, the other thing is motivation, which is huge for each lesson. I tell people always remind your learner why they're there, what they're going to get out of that lesson. And, you know, give them something engaging and exciting to motivate them and get them pumped at the beginning of each lesson. I think that that's another thing that will really set you apart. Awesome. And of course, for anyone listening, Janelle has a great just one page course plan. So if you're sitting there totally with a blank page, you don't really know where you're starting. Check out zencourses.co. There's a one page course plan that'll give you at least that initial kind of framework to get the juices flowing in terms of why you're doing this, what outcomes you're aiming at, and thinking about you know, how you're going to structure your course too. Yeah, thank you. Got to throw in those plugs there. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, uh, you know, a lot of it is coming down to, um, for what you're saying, knowing your audience, knowing what they want to get out of it, and working backwards from the result they want to achieve. And I'd imagine that's an area in which most people do fall down. Uh Aside from that, what would you say are the most common or even just the single most common mistake that you see people making when they try to just muddle through and create courses themselves? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is just getting overwhelmed because they're focusing on technology first. Mm. And I also think that it's important. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a mistake, but it's a common challenge is focusing on trying to focus on everything at once. You know, and this is independent of technology. It's important to really sit down and take a look at a high level, at an outline level of what your course is going to be about, who it's for, That's just huge. Who is it for? And answering those high level questions before you even start creating content. A lot of times people want to jump in and record videos and write content before they've answered those high level questions. What am I creating? What's the subject? Who is it for? What are they getting out of it? Those three questions will guide you along your path so beautifully. And you don't want to waste so much time creating videos and then realize that you've made them for, you know, you haven't answered the right question. So you have to go back and shoot those videos again. That's no fun. That's no fun for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I think that that focusing on too many things. I caught myself uh, last week with my to-do list where I basically had on my list work on this course. So work on course A that I'm currently working on. Start course B, plan course C all on the same afternoon. Yeah. And yeah, I had to kind of give myself a, <laughs> a, a swift slap and yeah, <laughs> yeah drilled out with just focusing. Yeah. Let's just get this first course. Let's make that awesome. And that's, that's a great point because that, that was the other thing I was going to mention is that I think the second thing would be that people don't understand the amount of time that it takes to create a really, a really solid yeah. course. And that is the biggest, I would say that's the biggest mistake or just, 
challenge that people have is just saying, oh, I'm going to get this done, you know, in two weeks. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Anybody, anyone who's listened to uh, the little series of episodes we did on this podcast where we covered the the journey to the launch of the Member Site Academy, they know that we've fallen foul of that one. Um, we, because we usually are involved in every aspect of a membership site apart from content creation. Yeah. That's the bit we leave to either the clients with the assistance of experts like yourself. And up until doing this for ourselves, we actually found ourselves getting quite impatient with our clients <laughs> when they tell us, yeah, this course will be created by this date. The date came and they hadn't made any progress. And we were like, how hard can it be to put together a course? Yeah, we found out how hard it can be to put together a course ourselves. So, yeah, I definitely, definitely associate with that, that one in particular. Yeah, you have to plan it out. You know, I tell everyone there's, there's a planning phase before you should start creating any content. You have to start that planning phase so that you know, you know, you can jot out how much time you think it's going to take, what you need to create. And you, it just gives you a guideline. You know, mm. so it's huge. It's huge because it always takes longer than you think it will. Definitely. We're kind of going by the rule of thumb now of however long you think it's going to take, at least double that time. Yep. Um, and then some. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think now we're looking at in terms of the future for online education? Where do you think things are going to go from here, both in terms of the opportunities available, but also in terms of people capitalizing? on those opportunities, you know, one-man band entrepreneurs? Yeah, you're full of great questions. I love it. <laughs> so I think that there's a couple things that come to mind. And the first one is, I mentioned earlier that online courses are still just so young and fresh when it comes to entrepreneurs. So I think that what we're going to see in the future is going to be just kind of getting to a point where a lot of the people who are just running and gunning and just creating courses fly by night, you're going to start to see, you know, who's really dedicated and putting in the work and those people are going to rise to the, to the top. We're going to see um, a push for more premier quality, higher quality content. And the other thing I think that we're going to see is video. Video is still relatively young, you know, if you, mm -hmm. if you think about it, because we're just now, just like with the technology that allows us to have platforms where we can put our course content you know, now video, pretty much anyone can shoot a video. And so I think that we're going to see a lot of exciting things happening with video and video courses that we haven't seen before. So I'm really excited about that as well. Um, in general, I just, I just think that we're going to get into an age where we are already in an age where we're content creators and not just content consumers. And I'm incredibly excited to see what happens with online courses with that. Definitely. And I think now more than ever, particularly for entrepreneurs uh, who are kind of wanting to move away from that time for money trap. Yeah. And, you know, not to kind of, I think the whole passive income uh, myth that's out there sometimes can steer people in the wrong direction and lead to those, you know, running and gunning kind of courses where people are just cobbling something together because I think it's, going to lead them to overnight success absolutely but certainly leveraged 
income and leveraging your time and leveraging your knowledge and expertise uh, is one of our favorite ways of actually making the best use of the internet and you know creating online courses membership sites um, is for me anyway one of the most fun ways that you can do that too uh, absolutely it sets you apart makes you know helps you become an authority in your field and it is just, you know, it's it's fun. I think so. Maybe I'm a geek, but, it, <laughs> you know, it's just fun to create and, and put your expertise out there and help people. And it allows you to help more people, which is just part of being of service. So I think that we're in for a very fun ride. Definitely. So for anybody who's maybe listening to this, who is still on the fence about whether they want to create a membership site or an online course, what would you say to them? Considering, you know, thinking back to your own journey of getting into entrepreneurism and getting involved with online education, what would you say to someone who's wondering whether it's right for them? Maybe they're worried that they don't have an audience or a following. Mm-hmm. I would say the first thing is make sure it's right. Make sure it's part of your strategy. And I think that oftentimes we see things happening in the world of online entrepreneurship and it seems like, oh, this is the new hot thing. But we have to step back and make sure that it's right for us because, you know, as entrepreneurs and just as people, we're, everybody's busy, you know, and, and it takes time. So think about it in terms of strategy. You know, does this fit into your brand strategy, your product strategy? And if so, then I say the most important thing is to focus on your online course as part of your business. And what I mean by that is, how does this get you to the next place? Is this course just one single offering? Does it relate to other offerings? How does this factor into your business as a whole? And uh, that is one thing that I, I advise people to think about. And then the third thing would be just to be prepared for the work involved. Be prepared for digging in and, you know, don't be afraid of making mistakes because you don't have to have a huge audience. I've spoken with people who started with 30 to 50 people on their mailing list, but you do have to focus on engaging with your audience. So that's where I would tell people to start. Focus on building an engaged audience and then build your course. You're only going to be able to improve it by starting and learning, you know, what people have to say and how they feel about what you put out there. Yeah, I think, again, something that a lot of people forget or overlook is that particularly when you're creating something like an online course, the internet isn't written in ink. So if you do need to evolve it based on feedback, if you do need to change something and it's not 100%, you can just grow it, change it, tweak it over time. So I think people get so caught up in that perfectionist yeah. uh, mindset that they end up not not actually making any progress at all. Listen, I mean, the beauty of, sp- of starting small is that, especially if you have a, an audience that you're engaged with who trusts you, is that you can make mistakes and it's not on mm. this huge, you know, everybody doesn't know about it. It's just maybe you're 25 people on your mailing list who know. And it's okay. You know, you just you just be transparent and say, hey, I messed up. I'm working on it. And people are forgiving. So I think that we just have to take the fear out of starting, take the fear out of making mistakes and and see it as part of learning. Just got one last question as well, just because this is something that, again, is another one of those contentious issues. And that comes down to 
evergreen or time-limited enrollment periods for online courses. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, that is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. So it's so funny that you asked me that question. (laughs) So I think it depends on the intent. And what I mean by that is I've seen some entrepreneurs create this false landing page where the course is closed and doing that to create a sense of a false urgency. So people will sign up for the next round. I'm, yeah. I'm not a fan of deceiving people in that way. So I think that if, if that's the intent, I would say I'm not a fan, but I am a fan of, I think that it's perfectly fine to have a course that's offered at different times, especially if it's a course where you're doing maybe live webinars or hangouts as part of the course structure, then I think it's perfectly fine to have a course that's just offered for a certain period of time. Otherwise, I think that evergreen courses can be, you know, huge from just developing a product that gives you that authority and expertise, but also it's a a steady revenue stream, you know, which is important for a lot of people. So again, comes back to strategy for me. Yeah, I'm exactly the same viewpoint as you. Um, yeah, I think the worst examples of that sort of false scarcity are where they do have a community element or they do have comments. Yeah. And so you join up thinking that you've struck it lucky by joining during the one week window <laughs> that the course is open for that year. And then there's comments from people going back for the past year or so so that instant impression of yeah i've just been hoodwinked yeah it's not really the best kind of start it's i think a conducive fun. relationship oh, that's great I've, i'm out of questions you've answered all the <laughs> questions greatly um really really uh, useful stuff there and i think yeah the core message that's coming out in terms of big picture planning making sure that you're not focused on the wrong things and you're actually looking to your audience, what it is they're looking to achieve and how you can help them get there. So, so vital. And hopefully our listeners who are looking at either setting up their own flagship programs or who are figuring out how to utilize online courses as a part of a membership site offering, hopefully that's given them a lot to think about and will help them. So if our listeners want to find out more about you, check out your blog, check out your own course, that will help them out. Where can they find you? What can you offer them? How can they connect with you? Fire away. (laughs) Sure. So listeners can find me on my blog at zencourses.co. That's Z-E-N-C-O-U-R-S-E-S dot C-O. And online, I'm on Twitter at Janelle Allen. So they can follow me there as well. As far as what's offered on the course, there's several downloads and resources on uh, at Zen Courses. And I actually will be launching a course in January of 2016. So stay tuned for that. So I would say check out Zen Courses and um, sign up for the mailing list to find out about that. And then the third place, I just launched a podcast called The Zen Courses Show. So you can find that in iTunes. You can also see it on the site. Great stuff. And the other membership guy, Callie Willows, is going to be a guest on the podcast too. Yes. uh, Which uh, she... We'll probably get on there before she gets on the Membership Guys podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of making our listeners just wait now <laughs> because I get I get messages in asking where Callie is. So it's I'm kind of building it up and building it up to really make a big, uh, big event of when we have Callie on the uh, the Membership Guys podcast. 
Um, so yeah, check out zencourses.co, check out Janelle's course, learn from the expert in courses and uh, yeah, hook up on Twitter and join the mailing list and get all that good stuff to help you in the creation of your own courses uh, for your membership site or as a standalone project. Janelle, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Really, really got a lot of really useful information out of you that I'm sure our listeners are going to love. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. It's been fun. Thanks again to Janelle for taking the time to talk to me for the Membership Guys podcast. I really enjoyed her conversation and hearing her thoughts and her insight and advice on how we can create compelling, effective courses that help people to achieve their goals, fill their knowledge gaps and get that transformation they're looking to get when they actually join our site and take part in our courses. So big, big thanks again to Janelle. Be sure to check her out at zencourses.co or at janelleallen.com or finally at learnwise.co. Lots of awesome stuff from Janelle there and check out her site, her businesses, her blog, and her podcast as well, the Zen Courses Podcast. Uh, Speaking of which, our very own other membership guy uh, was actually on Janelle's podcast too. So while you're checking out all the good stuff from Janelle, be sure to check out that episode with Callie uh, and get a little bit of insight from the other half of the membership guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for downloading this episode. I'll be back again very soon with another installment of the Membership Guys podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd like to invite you to download our free Membership Success Toolkit. Simply go to www.themembershipguys.com forward slash toolkit to download it today and you'll get access to our membership site plugin comparison chart, our membership site planning guide and access to our private Facebook mastermind group which has numerous membership site experts and owners sharing advice and discussing all things membership sites around the clock. So that's www.themembershipguys.com slash toolkit to download your free resources today. Do you want to boost your member signups and take your membership to the next level? If so, you're not going to want to miss the free webinar that I'm running on Tuesday the 26th of March. It's called Supercharge Your Membership Sales and it is entirely free. During the webinar, you will learn how to level up your core membership sales funnel for more traffic leads and sales. You'll discover the biggest roadblocks that could be costing you sales right now, and most importantly, how to fix them. And we're going to cover the key tactics that you need to have in place to successfully market and scale your membership. Plus, you get the opportunity to tap into my years of expertise in the membership space and have me help solve your current sales and marketing challenges. So, if you want to take your membership sales to the next level, join me on Tuesday, March 26th at 7pm UK time and go to membershipgeeks.com slash webinar. That's membershipgeeks.com slash webinar to secure your free seat today.